Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. On today's installment, we sit down with Abby Hammer, who is the Chief Customer Officer and Head of Products over at Churn Zero. She's got a really unique perspective, seeing that she oversees the product side of the organization as well as the customer success side of the organization. So we really dove into that dichotomy and how she thinks about linking those two organizations and why they feel it's so important at Churn Zero to have those two departments linked together by uh, a leader like this. So we enjoyed the conversation and I hope you all get to enjoy it. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. We're joined today from Abby Hammer, uh, who is the Chief Customer Officer and Head of Products at Churn Zero, somebody that we've gotten to know uh, over a little bit here and um, in the customer success space, always, uh, always see Abby around. So Abby, welcome to Gain, Grow, Retain, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. You know, we were having a pre-conversation um, a couple of weeks ago just about some of the topics that we talked through today. And, you know, I think one of the interesting dynamics and somewhere that we obviously wanted to start was around your title just in general, right? You have chief customer officer and you have head of products, which we don't often see within a SaaS company. So I think the first question is, you know, how do you look at balancing being a customer, chief customer officer and also looking at the head of products? And um, as you dive into that as well, you know, how did that evolution come for, for Churn Zero, you know, for that decision to be made? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it is definitely unusual combination, not one that you see come together very often. Um, it, it happens to be working really well for us right now, given that we are a customer success solution, um, you know, with really strong goals around being the very best at customer success, not only in the services that we provide, but also in the platform that we give to our customers. It, it's a nice marriage of, the, of those two uh, objectives. Um, you know, my, my background, actually, when I originally launched my career, I was in customer success. Uh, I was not called that yet, um, but that's, that's where I got my beginnings. And, uh, you know, as I developed in customer success, I started to get an interest in product because I was invested in my customers and what they needed to be successful. And a lot of that comes from the product. And so I was at an organization at the time that, you know, I was very fortunate. They were willing to, you know, take a risk on me and let me start into product. And that's how I, how I made the shift. And when we started at Churn Zero, you know, I originally came on as our, our VP of products, um, but we needed someone to be taking care of the customers as well, particularly while we were smaller. So I stepped into that because, you know, hey, I've done it before. Uh, I love talking to customers, um, you know, and to be transparent, it wasn't necessarily our plan to have me to have me do both long term, but it's worked out well for us. So we decided, you know, if it's not broke, let's keep it going. Um, you know what, I, I think it works well for us and I think it could work well in other scenarios as well because ultimately customer su success and product really have the same goals and, you know, and the same challenges. Um, they just present themselves in slightly different ways. Uh, but ultimately, you know, both teams are, are trying to bring value to customers. They're trying to be customer centric. They're trying to keep retention high and keep adoption high and help with fast onboardings and good conversions. Like everybody's headed towards the same goal they're just two halves of a team that are, that are getting you there. So I, I think it is a nice, a nice marriage. So, so what parts of customer success, what falls under customer success, I guess is a, is a good question to, to start with because in a lot of companies it, it's all encompassing onboarding support, customer success managers, even training, all that kind of stuff. So what does it, what does it entail in Churn Zero's world? 
Yeah, so we're, we're pretty soup to nuts. So from ink drying on contract through renewal and upsell, that all falls underneath the customer success team. Um, we divide our team into two subteams, if you will. We have implementation specialists that are involved particularly heavily at the beginning of a customer's time with us, uh, you know, making sure that their integrations get it set up correctly, that their training, their admins are trained in full, that they really have mastery of the platform so they can continue to use it going forward. But we also introduced a customer success manager off the bat because that's going to be their long-term advocate. And even once we get a customer live, our customer success managers are responsible for deepening that adoption, building that relationship, delivering value to our customers. They bought us for a reason and we're always asking ourselves, have we met that goal? You know, um, when, when they say like, was it worth spending money on churn zero? We always want the answer to be yes. So having the CSM involved from the beginning yeah. is helpful. How do you arbitrate? I'm really curious about this because there's there's often this healthy tension between product org mm-hmm. and customer success org. How do you arbitrate between that? Maybe it's easier because you sit in the seat you do, but you know that's all coming up to you. So so how how are you able to to deal with that on a day to day basis? Yeah, you know it's it's an interesting challenge, and uh, not to over oversimplify the problem, but I think a lot of it comes down to communication and communication styles and understanding that. While we may not talk about things in the exact same way, the goals are the same. Um, you know, so really just making sure that everybody understands why the two teams do the things that they do. And I think it, it goes both directions. You know, I'll coach my CS team on how they deliver feedback to product. You know, a lot of times in my career, and I've seen it in other teams as well, a customer facing team will deliver feedback to product in such a way that it's just like product doesn't take it seriously. You know, it's so emotional and yeah. you know, like, oh my God, everything's on fire. It, it just, you know, comes off as hyperbole or, you know, offensive or like whatever you might take it as a PM, that you sort of miss the important nuggets of what came in that heat and on the flip side product has to remember that the best customer success managers feel passionate about helping their customers so that that heat comes from the fact that they really want to help um, and that quite frankly their livelihood is tied into helping them a lot of CSMs are you know part of how they're paid is is based on retention and expansion of customers I mean certainly is the case here at churn zero so if product remembers that perspective and why sometimes they might get heat on some of what they get from customers I think it helps bring the teams closer together. Um, and I think transparency, you know, as a continuation on the communication theme is really important. When product makes decisions, explain it to customer success, keep them involved in the scenario. When yeah. customer success has feedback for product, try to deliver it in ways um, with backing data that, it, that doesn't make it just seem like an emotional reaction, but rather shows the dollars that are at risk because of the things you're experiencing. Yep, yeah. That, that's great. I've always thought of customer success as really the first line of defense in a way for a product. So I always coach my CSM teams to defend your product management team because it, it's hard to understand, but there's a completely different cadence of work there, right? You don't, it's not a, um, you're not working on a, on an issue response kind of situation. If, if you're in product, you're really trying to think more strategically and that it's just apples and oranges, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, product people are from Venus, CSMs are from Mars and, and the, like the, the CSM, the urgency comes from being on the front line with the client, but then you got to, the product people have to keep it on a long-term strategy of the business and how the product is going to support that. Absolutely. You know, it's I mean, in general, it is. And in general, a customer success manager not only should defend their, their product team, but also their product. Like hopefully you're lucky enough to be yeah. working on a product that you believe in. And if you're trying to make a customer successful, you certainly want to be empathetic. You know, it, people don't like hitting a wall or it's just like, well, you're wrong. It's perfect. Obviously, every product can continue to right. be improved, but you know there there is a line that you can cross where if you indulge these 
things from customers too much or you don't try to explain why things have been done, which is hopefully information the product has given you, you can build this rapport that's actually based on sort of a, a disrespect of the product, which doesn't doesn't help anyone long term. Um, you know, it, I just think it, it doesn't build a good relationship, even though it might initially feel like it's building a good relationship. Yeah. How do you think about the, the you know, we're kind of talking about communication, obviously, and you're, you're working with two different teams and, um, you know, you're trying to kind of facilitate that, that flow of communication, but is there anything in particular that you found that's worked well in terms of a process or meeting cadence or um, kind of feedback loop that you're saying like, man, you know, our, our product team and our CSMs are so in sync that, you know, you don't even have to step in the room, right? Like it's, it's just happening harmoniously, happening harmoniously. Um, yeah. so I'm curious how you think about that. Yeah, so uh, the initial sort of collection of ideas takes two forms to me. Um, one, I'll start with the product side. You know, in product, we often sometimes, um, when we do talk to customers, which sometimes we don't do enough, um, you know, lots of things going on, things happen. Uh, but when we talk to customers, often it's sort of geared towards what we want to find out. It's about getting our questions answered as opposed to being in a listen, absorb mode. Um, so I think it's really critical for product to spend a lot of time immersing themselves in their in the customers that they support, you know, go to sales calls, join customer success calls, listen to trainings, get in the support queue, answer some questions. Like the more deeply you understand what's happening to a customer in a day to day, the better you're going to be able to couch all the feedback that comes to you from the customer success team. Now on the other side for customer success, you know, I think, uh, you need to have a formalized way to collect feedback. Like you just do, you know, just even if you have a routine meeting where you meet with people, I think you got to be able to quantify, you know, a, an hour long meeting where CSMs, you know, talk about the things that they're hearing. Odds are you're going to hear about the stuff that they most recently dealt with or their current crisis. It's not necessarily going to be reflective of their larger, you know, the larger patterns they're seeing. So I think having yep. an established way to collect that feedback Trying to, you know, a, yes, give them some space to elaborate on what they think the problem is, but also requiring some structure out of them. You know, what part of the application is this at? You know, how important is this to the customer? What's your sense of priority? Are there dollars at risk on this? You know, sort of bound in what you want them to tell you about the scenario so that even if you have meetings to review those, which you should, you can always quantify because then if you choose to spend the time on customer items on your roadmap, and I am a strong believer that there should be a good you know, portion of your roadmap that is clearly reflective of your customers, you want to be able to defend those decisions and the priority of those decisions you know, and bring it back to the number of times it's been asked for, the dollars that are at risk, the, you know, the potential expansion that we can't get without this, those sorts of things. So it is really just making sure that product is preset to hear things in the right way and customer success is set to deliver things in a way that is quantifiable in the end, at least. Yep. Hey, Abby, I've got this strong feeling that, um, and I've, I've tried to impl implement this in multiple companies that I've worked in, but the strong feeling that when you get a piece of product feedback, mm -hmm. if you are going to, if you are reporting back to the client on how you're dispositioning that, I have a really strong propensity towards either saying, yes, we're going to do it. And it's going to be in the next release or the next handful of releases or no, we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. End of end of conversation, which is really hard, right? Yeah. Because the under that model, the majority of things that you get are going to be no's because you're only doing so much in the next release. But right. if you're not doing it in the next couple of releases, I can't guarantee it's going to happen. Right. I'd rather disappoint the client up front and say no, but we're going to capture it for you know, feedback later. If we have, if we're doing discovery in that area, we'll call you mm -hmm. um, versus letting them down by not being able to deliver on something that I said yes or maybe to. Mm -hmm. So interested to your your perspective on that. 
Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So, you know, here at Turn Zero, when we do product feedback, it gets very, you know, immediately reviewed by product. And there's an initial sort of like either, sorry, it's just not going to happen so that you can go back and communicate that to the customer or uh, actually good news. It's coming very soon. You know, go ahead and, and, you know, commit a rough timeline or like you said, okay, I'm not doing this now, but it is you know, on, it is on our, it's related to the themes we're going to do or that we're working on. So I cannot give timelines, but, you know, I'm interested in doing that feedback. And I think, um, you know, I think this brings up an, an important point where I think a lot of groups are quite good at collecting that feedback and they're really poor at using it and feeding it back to their customers, even when they do the things that their customers asked for, which is just like the most missed opportunity ever. You know, like I did this thing and then I forgot to tell you about it. Now I don't get any credit, you know, or even worse, when you discover it was there, you're annoyed that I didn't tell you. Like you need to make sure that it's not just about the collection, but it's about an immediate feedback loop with the customer. If you're not going to do it, like you said, call a spade a spade you know, let, let the hope go. But if it's something that's there, you know, how do you involve them in that? And I think a lot of times it feels like product takes an idea, disappears, and then they come back weeks, months later, and they're like, okay, here's this thing. And again, I think that's missing a lot of opportunities for CS and support to work together with CS being, you know, the, I'm sorry, I said support, um, product and CS to work together because CS is the front lines, you know, as you're developing, you know, show a mock to the CS team, ask them what it is, you know, what they yeah. think about it, how a customer will react to it. Um, a lot of times CS are also getting customers, they're coming at them and saying, I want X. And so when you, when they communicate with the customer, the customer is accepting nothing else but X, the delivery of X and product isn't necessarily going to do X because that's not necessarily the best solution or the most, uh, you know, inventive solution or all encompassing solution. So I think also helping customer success when they deliver that feedback to, to customers say, okay, you asked for X and I'm giving you Y, but here's why it actually still accomplishes what you were looking for. So just if you have those constant points of feedback as you're developing features and functionality, CS is going to inherently understand that and feel that and be able to communicate it to customers. So do you review every piece of feedback that comes in? Does your product team review every piece of feedback and disposition it and feed that back to the CS team? We do, um, you know, it's, uh, we'll have to see how that goes as we keep, as we keep going, you know, and uh, we've already started yeah. to prioritize it some, like we start to, you know, if we're, if we're behind in, in reviewing feedback, maybe we prioritize based on, you know, uh, size of deals or renewals that are coming up soon, strategic accounts, you know, if it comes from, uh, you know, some sort of VIP customer, maybe we take an extra look at that. But as a product team, we try not to show favoritism amongst our customers as well. Like you have to, you have to remember there are dollars, like we're all, we're a business at the end of the day. So you can't ignore that part. But some of our best ideas in the product came from smaller customers. You know, they're, 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 they shouldn't be disregarding that. So we do try to go through every single piece of feedback, um, you know, again, just so that it's not this open, like, well, I submitted it and maybe it'll come at some point. Who the heck knows? We want to make sure that when a customer says something, they at least feel like they're in a reasonable time, they're going to get something back. Yep. How do you, I'm curious now how you uh, talking a little bit, so we've kind of talked through obviously product and uh, customer success and you've, you've got, you know, some of these processes and feedback loops that you guys are going through. Um, how do you actually align almost like the objectives of the business or the metrics that you're looking at? Like, is it, you know, earlier you talked about, you know, kind of uh, customer success and product are two halves to, kind of the, the problem or the outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm curious if you also think about setting goals and expectations and objectives just from a, a company perspective, almost, you know, uh, within the business, if that's a, a similar cadence that you look at from that perspective as well. 
Yeah, so as a company, um, you know, as we as we go into each new year, we try to set themes for ourselves, both as a as a business, um, and then variations of that happen for you know CS themes, product themes. Like, what are our strategic goals in the next three, six, twelve months? Um, you know, and you want to see lines drawn between all of those, uh, and hopefully some shared KPIs drawn between that. So if you have, you know, just to keep things super general, if you have an objective of, you know being able to increase upsells by X percent, specifically focusing on a couple of modules, then that needs to be reflected in CS, that needs to be reflected in product, like it needs to be carried through the entire organization. Um, I also think it can be interesting when you have those themes and you align everyone around those themes, um, something I like to do again to keep the teams really close together is to talk to the CS team and say, all right, we have, let's, you know, let's make you the product managers here a little bit. We have these themes, we have these goals, and you know that. Now, here are all the requests that are somewhat related to those goals. If you got to prioritize, what would you do? What would you put first? Well, you know, what do you think is going to get you the biggest bang for your buck? Almost give them a little taste of sitting in product seat so that they can understand how those, how those themes all come together in, you know, in a larger, um, you know, in a larger capacity. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Do you guys, do you guys as a organization prescribe to any uh, like OKRs or, um, you know, any particular kind of objective set when you guys look at setting those things? Or is it uh, kind of something you guys have come up with your own secret sauce and just use these themes and kind of boil it down from there? Uh, I, I'd say more around the secret sauce. I mean, we certainly have very clear KPIs that we track as, a, as an organization. You know, our CS team is really focused on revenue retention being the big one that comes out. Um, uh, you know, there are some indications of customer health that we look at as well. And to me, those span both CS and product. You know, they both should be on the line for that. Um, you know, so those so those would be the those would be the numbers that are shared between those teams. But I think thematically, as we decide what we're trying to do as a business, it's all got to come back to that. Like, what what was the goal there? And that's a number that's shared by the entire organization. Very rarely are you going to come up with a you know with a goal as an organization that one department can do on their own. Like that's just you know not how a business works. We all know. Uh, you know, so there so so it, those themes do sort of are king in the situation because it represents the ultimate number we're trying to move, whatever that number might be. Yeah, makes sense. Um, well, we've talked a lot about, you know, you owning product and customer success, but maybe let's talk a little bit um, about the customers that you guys actually serve at, at Turn Zero. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, customer success product, um, you know, kind of multiple applications that can be uh, thought of in terms of industries and where, the, where this could be applicable. But, um, you know, where do you guys uh, kind of play most in terms of the, the software? And then um, how would you, if you had to describe like your customers in one sentence, like what would you, how would you describe them? Mm, that's a good one. Oh, I kind of like that. I'm going to, hopefully I do a good one here and I can reuse that sentence later. Um, you know, so our goal is to support subscription businesses. Now, a lot of our, um, a lot of our customer base is SaaS, um, but uh, is to support subscription businesses and try to help them fight churn, retain existing customers, expand those existing customers, and really optimize the customer experience. Um, I think our sweet spot tends to be uh, small and mid-sized customers. Um, there are solutions out there, whether they're homegrown or purchased, that can be quite enterprise, you know, a, a very intense to support and maintain. And, you know, to be a little bit Robin Hood about it, we kind of want to make sure that customer success, you know, uh, is available to everybody. It's something that everybody can do and do and do well. Um, and so I think our, our background as a leadership team and our background as a product mean that we can particularly serve well small and mid-sized customers. We have plenty of larger customers as well, but 
We're particularly interested in um, what we call high velocity teams. So CSMs that are vastly outnumbered by the number of accounts that they have to manage. If I own 20 customers, I better be able to name them and tell you everything about them off the cuff. The tools that I need to support that is very different than if I own 200, 2000 customers, just what I need to support myself is very different. For the one sentence, I'd say our customers that come to us are, you know, they are just beginning up the mountain of developing their customer success programs. They're very aspirational, which is always so cool to see and so exciting to experience. Um, you know, and they're looking, they're often looking to us for help. You know, how do we, how do we do this the right way? Um, it puts a very cool challenge on my team that we have to be the absolute best at customer success because we're being looked at as an example of customer success. But I think our most successful customers are the ones that come in to it and say, okay, we've been doing things, but we're here to reimagine what we could be doing and to um, you know, really take advantage of this software project, yes, but take advantage of it as an opportunity to reimagine who we are as a team and what we want to accomplish and how we measure that. It wasn't really a sentence, was it, guys? It's <laughs> okay. Well, give me like three and a half that. sentences, yeah. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> um, no, I like that. That's well, and I think the the interesting. I think you know one of the the points that we wanted to touch on here too, as we started talking, is you know we, we continue to find ourselves in the business that we're in, and we get asked the question all the time. You know, when is like what is the breaking point um, of when I need a system? When do I need an actual tool to come in? And it's just funny, you know. I think when we walk into a room, it's almost like they're hoping for the silver bullet, and they're like, okay. Um, tell me the ARR I need to have, tell me the amount of customers I need to have that gives you the answer and tells me I need a solution today. And yeah. uh, I think obviously it's more nuanced than that, but I'm curious, you know, as you, as Churn Zero goes in um, and you start to look at some of your customer base, like what is the moment where you're like, hey, you know what, this is like the right time that you need to start thinking about a solution? Yeah, it's, I wish there was a description as well. It'd be really helpful. We could just hand a sheet of paper to prospects and be like, if you meet these things, you're ready for a customer success solution. Um, you know, cause we've had customers that I'll admit when they came to us, I was like, Ooh, I'm not sure you're ready. And then, you know, they've been, they've been rock stars. So it's not a hard and fast rule. I do think you can go a little too early. Um, and I think that's mostly because uh, setting up any customer success platform requires focus, energy, and some some elbow grease, quite frankly. You know, no system is going to be perfect magic where you don't have to be putting thought and strategy into it. Uh, you know, I, we describe it like a gym membership. If you have a gym membership, but you never go, or you go and you just stand on the treadmill, it, it's not going to accomplish the same things for you as if you're actually running on the treadmill every single day. So, you know, sometimes when we experience extremely small teams, you know, it, it's heartbreaking a bit because they're the ones that could benefit from our tools the most, but they're also the ones that struggle the most to actually find the literally find the hours in the day to implement something. Um, so I think you can go a little too early, um, you know, but I also think very quickly you can flow into you waited too long. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of teams that waited till they were already at like 15 CSMs. And at that point, now we're just trying to control chaos a little bit. And the idea of being of having the time and the space and the luxury of stepping back and thinking about what you want to accomplish as, a, as an organization is a little bit lost. You're just drowning in the day to day. Uh, so I think it does need to be early on once you actually understand who your customers are, what makes them successful, um, how you are participatory in that success, you need to be able to answer those things. Um, and then, you know, as soon as you can answer those things, I think that's the right time to start considering for sure. So it's less yeah, about size, I think, and more about where you are at, you know, ideologically. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's this interesting. Uh, I think what we've also seen is an interesting dynamic where the SaaS leaders, or we'll say, you know, the kind of emerging SaaS companies are typically led by founders who might be a little bit younger on the spectrum and they're a little bit more technology driven. And so they are looking for technology solutions rather than looking for human solutions, which I think we've found is an interesting kind of dichotomy. Because to your point, there's, there is a point where you implement the system and then all of a sudden, or you implement the tool and then all of a sudden it doesn't really work for you because you're not putting the time, effort, focus, and it's just kind of uh, languishing on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also on the flip side where you're too human driven and now you've added, you know, uh, for every 20 accounts, you have a formula where you just add a CSM without really evaluating, can a tool come in and help me during this, this right. time period? So I do think there is this nuance where it's kind of figuring out, you know, is this the right moment and do we have the tech stack and um, almost the operational leader to actually do this and implement it. You know, I think mm-hmm. part of the, the challenge that we always see is um, customers buy the tool and they think it's this silver bullet. And then they also forget that there's this operational cadence where how am I going to get the data in? What's the mm-hmm. actual process within the tool itself? How are we thinking about all of the, almost like all of the inputs, um, even outside of data, but segmentation, what's my customer journey? Oh, what are yeah. all the kind of um, discovery elements that I need to do in order to prepare myself for the tool? Absolutely. You know, and our process, we try to be extremely consultative in our process, you know, so we're not asking you to wait till you can answer those questions perfectly. If you can ever answer those questions perfectly, that's amazing. I'd love to talk to you. Like no one ever has those, those questions answered perfectly. So it's not about being at a place where you're like, we have absolutely everything buttoned up, but you do need to be a place where you've started to ask those questions, you know, so that when we try to consult with you around a strong segmentation strategy, the best areas where we can employ automation for the biggest bang for our buck, that, you have thoughts there that you have, um, you know, plans there, even if they're not fully fleshed out, but it's not the first time you've thought about it. You know, the first time you thought about it shouldn't be when you're trying to do it. You've hopefully done a little bit of pre-planning on that. I, th- I think you got to treat it like part of the product as well. And you get that good baseline of operational data and some of the things that are in the place are, are in place. You, you know, the, the, the probably other problem with, with always adding humans is that you, you, inevitably start to miss opportunities where you could be automating because you're just plugging the gaps with mm-hmm. humans. So we've seen a couple of instances here recently where, where folks are starting to put the system in first. It's hard because it's an end user system, mm-hmm. right? And you don't want to get too far ahead of your end users that you will have eventually. But in some cases they're putting it in before they even hire the first one, mm-hmm. at least the data and analytics and whatnot. So. Yeah. I mean, we have had customers do that and be successful. So, you know, I can certainly say it is possible. I just think in if you are that and you were looking to do that first, you need to be prepared to do even a little bit more work than 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 anybody else. Um, just because you are, you know, pre-leading things so much, you can certainly be successful. Um, you're just going to have have some additional additional things to work through. Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, Abby, you've been very gracious with your time. We've enjoyed the, the conversation. We got one final question for you. We didn't prep you for this, so oh. we're putting you on the spot here. But what's what's the big thing that you need to accomplish this week for Turn Zero? What's on uh, your list? Yeah, the big thing we I, we're working on right now is we're taking a look at our onboarding process. Um, you know, we've we've had the same process since we started. Well, we have been iterating on the same process process, I should say, since we started. Um, and you know, it produces really good results. But we're actually trying to self-reflective and say, where are opportunities where we can make some of this less 
you know, one-to-one communications. Um, you know, it, again, it's coming back to nothing happens automatically. Even churn zero, we use churn zero, churn zero. We, we drink our own champagne. Um, you know, but we have to be purposeful about coming back and saying, okay, we have this great process, but is it really as streamlined as it could be? Is it, have we automated in the best spots? Um, so that's actually, we've just kicked off a project to, to really start to look at onboarding and what we can do there, um, you know, for our own benefit and our own scaling, but also for the benefit of our customers. Um, so we're starting to do some planning there and hopefully we'll have a lot of new cool stuff in 2020 as a result. Awesome. And that's full circle back to why it's so good to own both products and CS. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.